We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lourdes by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lourdesdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. All right, good morning, everybody. Um, so you know I have the bad habit of two sermons every Sunday. Um, today's uh, first sermon, though, we're going to just talk about the church. Um, and yeah, and then you won't listen to the rest. So that's my goal. Um, so uh, almost, and I've learned to use that word because nothing is 100% certain with construction. Almost certainly, this is our last weekend in the, in the gym. Uh, yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? Um, a couple people have said to me weirdly, they're like, yeah, we're, I'm kind of going to miss the gym. I'm like, get out of my church. <laughs> no, it's been good. God's been good to us, and you all have been so patient and, and good while we've been in this space. Um, so here's what happened. So this week we had our inspections. This past week we had two big ones. We passed the first one. We failed the second. But there's good news about that second test. We failed on very minor things. And the inspector said that. He said, this is not a big deal. And our, uh, the folks who were working on the church said, uh, they really want to be in on the 15th, which is this next weekend. And the inspector said, I don't see any problem with that. Tell them they can go ahead and move in all the stuff into the church. That's fine. So everything's being moved over this week. He's coming back on Wednesday just to check in on that. And they tell me almost certainly next Sunday we'll be in the church. So um, we're super excited about that. Um, I'm convinced the church is gorgeous. I think you're going to feel the same way. I'm excited for you to see that. Uh, a couple of things I want to tell you before we move over. Um, the first one is this. Our railing is still being fabricated, manufactured for the Logan entrance, our new main entrance. If you remember back to when we were back in the church, if you were late for church, you had to come in halfway through the congregation. You'd be like right there. And then you'd like, you'd like kind of duck in and you're like, don't let Father Brian see me, you know, and I judged you in my heart. But now we have a great main entrance at the back of the church, but it's not, you probably won't be able to come in that way next weekend because our railing isn't here yet. Um, and then there's a couple other things. Some of our statues are, they're being shipped, so they're not here yet. They're absolutely beautiful. Uh, they should be here very quickly. Uh, and then lastly, the only other thing that won't be in the church right when we move in is about, I don't know, six weeks ago, something like that, our brand new altar shipped from Germany. Um, it weighs 3,000 pounds. It is all marble. It is absolutely gorgeous. It matches our brand new baptismal font, uh, as well as our Ambo. Uh, so those things aren't in yet. When they are in, and we, they won't give us a date because they worry about customs. And they tell us that customs can be tough with those sorts of things. I don't know that I should tell you this, but I can tell you anyways. Archbishop told me, I met with him last week, and he said, I don't know if it was Denver, but he was like, there was some church that ordered an altar and somehow drug smugglers hit a bunch of cocaine in this altar. And I was like, we're just gonna pray that's not Lord's. Like that would be really, really bad. Um, 
But anyway, so that's coming, um, and we're just super excited. God has been so faithful, and I am so excited for you all to see the church. It's going to be a joyful thing. Today's Pentecost. I had prayed for today to be the day we were in because today is the birthday of the church. And I was like, Lord, like, seriously? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> um, so I, you guys must not be holy enough because that's why we're not in this week. But no, I'm just kidding. I know, I'm a jerk. Okay, today is the birthday of the church. And here's what I want to talk with you about today. I want to talk to you about what does it mean to be spiritual? Today we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church. What does it mean to be a spiritual person? When I was a missionary, I remember that it was right when that phrase was becoming popular. And you all know it, right? You, I imagine you hear it from people. There, there's a common phrase where people like to say today, I'm spiritual, but not religious, right? And I always think, what does that mean? Um, one student that I used to mentor, he, uh, he kind of always had his foot in his mouth a little bit, kind of like me. And um, we were walking together one time and, and a, another student came up to us and we started talking, and sure enough, this phrase comes out, and the student says, well, you know, I'm, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And the student of mine, he said, well, I think you're interesting, but not really. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> did you just say that? What does it mean to be spiritual? The world today, I think, I think when people are getting at that, when they say, I'm a spiritual person, but not religious, there's a hesitancy towards organized religion right? That's generally, there's some kind of thing that says, I want to have that connection with God and with what's spiritual, and all of us want that. But there's something that says, but religion can get in the way of that, right? Organized religion somehow can get in the way of that, and that's a common kind of sentiment in our world today, is that I love God. Jesus, I love you. I love the Father, I love the spirit, and I want that. I know that life is more than what's physical and what's ordinary. I know that there is something spiritual, but organized religion can be an obstacle is what is commonly thought. And today I want to show you how the gospel of Jesus Christ flips that on its head. And this is so powerful today. What I want to show you today, brothers and sisters, if you are a Christian, to be a spiritual person means the opposite of that. In the New Testament, when St. Paul talks about spiritual people, and I'm going to teach you the Greek here in a minute, when he talks about those people, what Paul sees is that the only people who are spiritual are those who are obedient. We're going to flush that out. Okay, so Paul kind of sees two kinds of Christians. And, and the first type, so you gotta, we do this with the kiddos. So uh, during the week, like, and the kids are like, oh my gosh, is school ever going to get out? I give them Greek words. It kind of wakes them up during mass. It's fun. So today, so spiritual in Greek is pneumatikos. So everyone say pneumatikos. Pneumatikos. 
So you, the pneumaticos are the spiritual people, right? And so the, the plural will be pneumaticoi, but we won't get too deep into that. The other type of people are the fleshly people. And the fleshly people are the sarkikoi, so, or the singular sarkikos. So everybody say sarkikos. The Greek word for flesh is sarks. And Paul's going to talk about one of those two things. One of them, one of those two things is the force that drives your life. One of those two things, like it or not, one of those two things is going to drive you. It's going to kind of be in the driver's seat of your soul. And so Paul, if you want to look this up, he talks about this in, in Romans 7. He talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, a handful of other places. Romans 15, he talks about it as well. And what we're going to drive today is, brothers and sisters, those are our options. Is we can be sarkikoi or we can be pneumatikoi. And today God... God wants you to be a spiritual person, a pneumaticos. And we want to break open the what does that mean? But if you're going to get that, here's what you got to get first. You have to understand what Pentecost is. You have to understand Pentecost. Pentecost, first and foremost, was not a Christian feast day. We all think it was. We all think it was a feast day that started by Christians. It wasn't. Pentecost is a Jewish feast day. I know you'll check me on this, so you, I'll point you to Leviticus 23 and Deuteronomy 16. Good stuff. What is Pentecost for the Jews? And like we always do at Lord's, and like the Catholic Church has always done in history, we understand the New Testament as fulfillment, right? So in the Old Testament, there's all these things that are fulfilled in the New Testament, right? You had a lamb of God that was slaughtered in the Old Testament, and then people were set free by the blood of the lamb, right? That's Exodus chapter 12. In the New Testament, there's a new lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and sets us free from our slavery to sin. His name is Jesus, Right? In the Old Testament, there are 12 tribes of Israel. Today, in that first reading from Acts chapter 2 about Pentecost, and this is one of those readings where our lectors have to really prep because you've got all these ancient names. I love it. So in Acts 2, there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men from every nation under heaven. Right, And then he lists the nations. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, and my two favorites, can't wait to go there, Phrygia and Pamphylia. Love it, right? Those are the best. Well, here's the thing. Old Testament, there's 12 tribes of Israel. Have any guesses on how many nations it lists at Pentecost? 12 nations. That is no accident. It's no accident. Pentecost is a huge moment where the Old Testament is fulfilled in the new. And it's so powerful. Brothers and sisters, God's got something for you today. He has something for you today where he is gonna change your heart and your life. 
Pentecost for Jews is the feast of the giving of the law. It's the feast of the giving of the law. And they call it the feast of weeks because they count seven weeks from the redemption in Egypt to the moment the Jews arrive at Mount Sinai where God gives them the law. So think about that. The Jews are redeemed by the blood of the lamb on Passover. And 50 days later, they're given the law. In our lives, right, 50 days ago today, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, the true lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And today I'm going to show you, today we are given the new law. Also at Sinai, so the Jews, 50 days after they leave Egypt, they arrive at Mount Sinai. And in Exodus 19, they get there. When God appears at Pentecost at Mount Sinai in the Old Testament, he appears with fire. And in Exodus chapter 20, he gives them the law. In verse 18, it says this. It says, When all the people perceived the thunder and lightning and the sound of the mountains, of the trumpet and the mountains smoking, they were afraid and trembled. Here's the crazy thing, and hang with me. The Hebrew doesn't say that. It's a modern reading into the Exodus story. The Hebrew says this. It says, and think about our Pentecost. It says, when the people saw the voices or tongues and the flames and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. Exodus 20 has a weird phrase in the Hebrew and it says that the people saw the voices in flame. That is not the New Testament. That's the Old Testament. 50 days after they were redeemed. In our life as Christians, 50 days after our redemption, the fire of God, and when it says tongues of fire, the word tongue in Greek, glossa, means languages. Mark Twain says that history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. The Christian Pentecost is the ultimate fulfillment of what happened in the Old Testament. How? Here's, here's what I want you to get more than anything today. How is ours different? How is ours different? What St. Paul teaches us about this is that the whole difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament law is fulfilled today. And what it's all about, it's all about sarkikoi and pneumatikoi. And what Paul says is when God gave the law in the Old Testament, he wrote it on these stone tablets. What did he write on the 10? On the, oh, I gave it away. You knew anyways. <laughs> Wrong. No, just kidding. Yeah. The Ten Commandments, right, are written on stone tablets. Paul tells us, and 
this is everything for us today. Paul says the real difference between the Old Testament and the New is not that the law changed. It's in the Old Testament, the law was written on tablets. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3 that the New Testament law is no longer written on stone tablets. But if you are a pneumaticos, if the spirit of the living God lives inside of you, the law is written on your heart. Pentecost is the new giving of the law. And the New Testament is filled with teaching about this. In the Old Testament, everyone knew the law, but they struggled to live up to it. Doesn't that sound like you and me? Right? You don't have to come to church for me to tell you what God's law is. Right? No one's going to go before God on judgment day and say, I wasn't supposed to steal. Oh, man, I wish I would have gone to church. They could have told me. No, you know that. And we know how we are supposed to live. We just can't do it. And Paul says the thing, the thing that blocks you from living the way you're supposed to live is called the sarks, the flesh. What's the flesh? Here's what St. Paul says in Galatians 5. He says, walk by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of the sarks, the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, right? You want to live a good life. Jesus, I want to forgive my enemies. I want to kill my jealousy and envy and my lust and my hatred and my pride. But my flesh wars against that. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. One of those two things is going to drive you. Are you driven by the flesh? And all of us are at times. The thing that drives me is my pride and my ego and my selfishness and my vanity and my lust. But when God's spirit lives inside of me, those things are put to death. And what happens when those things are put to death is I keep the law of God. So Paul goes on and he says this in Galatians 5. He says, the works of the sarks of the flesh are plain. Immorality, impurity, licentiousness, right? What's licentiousness? Licentiousness means it's, it's a counterfeit of freedom. It's I can do whatever I want to do and no one's going to tell me otherwise. That's a sin. And it's a work of the flesh. Immorality, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, right? And I know it's, we talk about this sometimes. I know you don't have a statue to Jupiter, the, the Roman god, in your house. If you do, repent. I'll see you in confession. 
But we all have idols. Right? My, I have idols in my life. The big three that almost all of us have at some point in our lives are power, sex, and money. And we worship those things. And they are false gods. Immorality, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissension, party spirit. I always thought party spirit meant like, woohoo! Friday, it's party! The priest, you know, that's not what it means. Party spirit is factionalism. God today on the Feast of Pentecost creates unity. God loves unity. And if you're a source of division and you create factions in the church, that's a sin against the Holy Spirit. Real Christians look for ways to overcome division. We look for ways to love each other. We look for ways to find the unity that comes from Jesus Christ. party spirit, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, today's the feast of the law. Here's the good news. God redeemed us 50 days ago. Right? God loves us always before he gives us a law. He never says, here's a law. When you obey it, I'll love you. He never does that. He always does it the opposite way. He says, I love you with everything I have. I will send my son, the true lamb of God, and his blood will take away the sins of the world. And now because I love you, here's a law for your good. You cannot keep the law if you do not have the Holy Spirit. Right? I know all those things. I know every one of them. I know that I am supposed to be filled with love and generosity and peace and goodness and all these things. A lot of times I just don't want to. I know I should be generous. I know I should be kind. I know I should never be jealous or envious. I know that, but it's hard. The real problem isn't that I don't know what to do. The problem is I can't do it. Today is the feast of the giving of the law. And not because God revealed to us today what we are supposed to do. Today, brothers and sisters, today, Pentecost Sunday, God gives you the power to conquer yourself, to conquer the flesh, and to obey the law. That's what it means to be spiritual. Man, do I want to be that. I want the spirit of God to reign inside of me to silence all those things that don't belong to Jesus. Right? I want him to silence those things so that I follow the law not because I know I'm supposed to, but because I am filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Lastly today, brothers and sisters, I know that's a lot. Pray this week. And I really beg you, when you were baptized and confirmed you received the Holy Spirit, 
but you've got to cooperate. It doesn't just happen. Our hearts are the problem. The heart heart is where all this happens. And our hearts have to be changed. Open your heart. Right? Say to God this week, pray to him. Get on your knees and beg him and say, Lord, I can't live up to what you ask of me, but I want to. Pour your spirit into my heart so that that law would not be something outside of me. I'm written on stone tablets, but it would come right out of the depths of my heart. Pray for that. When that happens, by the way, when that happens with us together, there will be the most profound unity of anything that exists on earth. When the Spirit of God dwells inside of us, we're not going to be fighting with each other. We're not going to have that party spirit. We're not going to be driven by pride and selfishness. But there'll be the joy of God's saints who love each other. That's Pentecost. That was the early church. Jesus, Lord, I am not there. I am not there. And Lord, I I don't need to know what you command. I need a new heart. I need a new heart that desires the right things that obeys your law, not because I have to, but because I want to and because I love you and I love my neighbor and I love my people and I love my enemies. Jesus, I'm not there, but I want to be. Lord God, 50 days after our redemption, Jesus, may you pour out the Holy Spirit here in our church May we love each other. May we have new hearts. And Jesus, may you send out your spirit and renew the face of the earth.